want to share a time in the Gospels from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. We're going to go a couple different places, but we're going to teach on an event that happened in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. I want to begin at verse 11. It says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria, Samaria and Galilee. Was it a coincidence, let me ask you, was it a coincidence that Jesus passed through the middle of controversy? You see, Jews did not associate with Samaritans. You remember that time when Jesus sat down beside the woman in Samaria at the well and asked her for a drink? We pick it up in John 4.9. It says, Then the woman of Samaria said to Jesus, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me? A Samaritan woman. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. See, the truth of the matter is that there are no controversies with Jesus. He knows that the only way to deal with difficult situations, the only way to handle differences among others, and the only way to deal with offense is to confront things and deal with them head on. Luke 17, verse 12. Then, as Jesus entered a certain village... There met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. See, these ten men who were lepers may very well have been confined to this place or this village, for they were not allowed to be in the larger cities and walled towns. In fact, according to Jewish law, it said that a leper that enters into Jerusalem is to be beaten. The Jews called a leper a wicked man. For they believed that leprosy came upon someone for speaking evil. So not only were lepers covered in horrible, festering sores and prevented from entering communities with others for fear of spreading their disease to others, but they were often unfairly judged. Rather than being looked on as a victim in need of help and compassion, they were often treated and viewed as a perpetrator and rejected outright. The only way that lepers could rejoin society was by becoming cleansed and having their oozing sores dry up and turn white into scabs. But only a priest at that, po- at that point could declare them clean. So if by some possibility they were declared clean, they would first have to burn all their clothes. They would have to shave their entire bodies. Then they'd have to go bathe extensively before getting a chance to re-enter society. Lepers were outcasts in the fullest sense of the word. There were very few who could relate to the rejection of a leper. And so these lepers gathered together by virtue of their disease and their rejection from society. Certainly this is a common practice among people even today rejecting others because of their shortcomings and forcing them to find acceptance in a group of similar misfits or outcasts, those who don't fit into the crowd. This is one of the main reasons why confused people end up joining gangs. But you don't have to be in a gang to feel rejected. Maybe you have felt the sting of rejection before. I know I have. Perhaps you felt isolated from others or rejected or judged or ignored. 
The problem soon becomes that you start believing whatever people are saying about you. These ten lepers, no doubt, had all felt unworthy themselves. They had come to expect rejection from people, especially from religious people who follow the law. And even though Jesus now, this man of compassion, this great miracle worker, came near to them, they still stood afar off. They were not only diseased, but they were condemned and felt completely unworthy to even be in the presence of Jesus. Do you know that's how many people feel today? They feel condemned. They will never come into the doors of a church because they feel condemned. Therefore, we need, that's why we lead with compassion. You see, this picture of a leprosy, why, why do we talk about leprosy? We don't hear it nowadays, but the picture of a leprosy, of, of leprosy is actually a picture of us as sinners. Our mistakes and our sins cause us to become rejected. How other people perceive us often causes us to be marked and unfairly judged. It is our sins that make us unclean and prevents us from being in the presence of a holy and perfect God. But even worse, because we believe we are condemned, we are afraid to even approach Jesus when He comes near. You see, the worst part about sin is not only when we sin, not only do we fall short of God's standard for us, but we walk in condemnation, believing that we can't even repent and approach God. Sin separates us from God, but then condemnation keeps us from returning to the One that can heal us and restore us. And the truth of the matter is we all sin. We all mess up all the time. That's why we need Jesus. Thus, like the lepers, many times, we stand afar off. Also like the lepers... We think that we can just choose between a surface cleansing and a complete healing. I believe this is a grave mistake that has been plaguing society for some time now. And it's the point of my message today. Let me show you what I mean. 1 John 1.9, which is our memory verse for this week, great and powerful promise of God, says that if we confess our sins to God, if we confess our sins He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God for that. What a great feeling to be forgiven and cleansed, to get a clean slate. We absolutely need this in order to begin our Christian walk. God is faithful to forgive us when we confess our sins to Him. Amen? But I want to share with you that there's a deeper healing that we can experience so that we don't just repeat that same sin again and find ourselves in the same spot. Thus, we move to the next verse on confession as our healing progression continues. James chapter 5, verse 16, tells us to confess your trespasses to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. 
You see, we confess our sins to God to be forgiven and cleansed, but we are also called to confess to one another if we have sinned against them, to secure and to complete our healing. It's not enough to just say, God forgave me, so I'm all set. We need to be willing to go to the person that we have sinned against and confess if we desire to be fully healed. I know this is not a popular message. I know this is difficult. But God wants the body of Christ to be healed. There's so many wounds, and we've been through it ourselves in the body of Christ, and it's difficult to apologize or to say you're wrong. You guys ever watch Happy Days when you were growing up? Remember Fonzie? I was wrong. He couldn't say I was wrong. It's like we, us as adults, it's so hard to say we're wrong, but God says, I'm gonna, I forgive you, but I want to restore that relationship. I want to restore the body of Christ. Are you willing to just say you're wrong and apologize? And then you get a complete healing. Going to God is a necessary step to be forgiven. But when it's in the power of our hand to do so, and it not, it's not always is, but when it's in our power to do so, We need to be willing to own up to our failings. We need to be willing to apologize to the people that we have hurt and ask for forgiveness. I'm going to let you know I'm going to make a lot of mistakes as your pastor. And I will apologize. And I will humble myself. And I'm asking all of us to do that so the body of Christ can be strengthened and established and be a power of God in this community. Like Jesus, we must be willing to deal with issues directly, but we do so with grace. Too many people avoid others. And many even avoid church because of offense with others. Some even justify this avoidance by saying, I don't need to go to church. I can find God on my own. I can seek God on my own. But we need to be able to work through issues with people. We need to confront problems in a God-glorifying way and not ignore them. We can't be like ostriches. That hide our heads in the sand, hoping our problems will go away. Guess what? They don't. Right? Jesus always dealt with things head on. He knew he was going to be accused. He knew he was going to be arrested, mocked, beaten, deserted, and killed. And yet he did not flinch when it came time for him to go into Jerusalem. Luke 9.51 says, Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He knew rejection was coming, and yet he set his face to go directly, not just to it, but through it. If we have learned anything from Jesus about handling problems, it is to set our face to go through anything that's in our way. We don't need to do this with our head down and stubbornly push our way through. We pick our heads up and we believe for restoration. We believe the best about other people, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we do this by extending grace and healing for restoration. See, it's not okay to stay standing afar off. We need to come together and come to Jesus. Did you notice anything about different about the choir this morning? How they all came up here? They were having a hard time hearing their points, and so they, they, they said, let's press in together. Let's get closer to that sound so that they could, they could produce that worship. 
There's times when God says, we need to come together, get closer to one another. Let's, let, let, let's come together so that we can be that voice of Jesus. Luke 17, verse 13. And they lifted, speaking of the lepers, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. You see, because they felt the sting of judgment, because that pain was greater than the pain of their disease, they didn't ask for healing first. First they asked for His compassion. Jesus' compassion always precedes His healing. Many times people receive a blessing from Jesus only to return to their former state. One of the reasons for this is they didn't appreciate or understand His compassion. They only wanted the external blessing. Luke 17, verse 14. So when Jesus saw them, He said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. By coming to Jesus, they all desired to be cleansed. The first step. They longed to be part of society once again. They were cleansed, but they were still bound by legalism since they had to go before a priest. But one of them, one of these ten lepers, wanted more than to just be cleared by the priest. One of them wanted more than just the cleansing. Maybe he thought that if he could be cleansed, that he could probably get dirty again. He wanted more. He was determined to get more. Sometimes we need to get a little passionate about pursuing the things of God. You know as well as I do, there's a politically correct world that's telling us to not be so passionate. Don't listen to the world. Listen to Jesus. Jacob got passionate when he wrestled God one night and he said, I'm not going to let go. I'm going to hold on. Even if it takes all night, I'm going to hold on until I get a blessing from you. And he wrestled the angel of the Lord. Job got passionate when he stood before God to plead his case. You see, a little passion channeled in the right direction is needed to pursue the things of God. Too many people are getting lazy, especially in our spiritual life, and we can't. We need to press into God. We talk about a verse that people don't talk about often, Ephesians 4.26. says, Be angry and do not sin. How can that be in the Bible? What's that mean? Be angry and do not sin. Listen. In other words, it means be passionate. But pursue God with your passion and don't pursue sin. Anger is an emotion that God gives us to let us know that our needs have not been met. The problem comes in how we channel this anger. If we attack others with it, if we blame others, we're choosing to take revenge on our own and attempting to get our own needs met. However, if we channel that anger into passion for seeking God and boldly going to Him in a prayer in our time of need and believing that He is the only one who can right our justice and to strengthen our spirit and to empower us to live for Him in such a day as this, then we honor His commands and give Him all the glory. But it takes passion to do that.
Luke 17, verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, speaking of these ten lepers, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. With a loud voice, he glorified God. You know what that means? He was not ashamed. He wasn't looked around to see what people were doing or if they were judging him. He just knew his, his path was directly to God. And with a loud voice, he turned his passion into praise. Don't let the world tell you to be quiet about giving glory to God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Alright. <laughs> Sorry, sometimes I get a little passionate up here. Luke 17, verse 16. This leper who came back fell down on his face at the feet of Jesus, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Let me ask you, when did, the, when did this healed leper return? He returned when he saw that he was healed on the surface. You see, if they were all healed as they went, it had to be before they even made it to the priest. The priest hadn't even declared them clean yet, and they know they had to be declared clean by the priest to go back in society. So even before they got the priest, they realized that they were healed by the word of Jesus. But the others had their minds set on serving themselves and seeing the priest first. They settled for being declared clean. To them, saying thanks was a trivial matter. They didn't have time for. They may have even thought, well, Thanksgiving is implied. Of course they were grateful. Why even say it? But this one leper, this one Samaritan, returned to give thanks and give praise to God. It's a valuable lesson for all of us to remember. Thanksgiving is one of the evidences that the blessing and the complete healing and the truth will stick. Thanksgiving means that you realized that you were in need of healing before you received it. But how is one to be thankful for something that if you don't know what you've truly been healed of? I will tell you that there are few things that have crippled the modern church than the abundant life message. It's this idea that you should follow God because He will make your life so much better and you will live carefree and you will have no problems. Being preached all over America, I don't know about you, but I know a lot of people who don't follow God. They're very wealthy. They go up partying with friends all the time, and they travel the world and they live carefree. Why do they need a God who will cause them to change their lifestyle when in their minds they are already living the abundant life? Listen, you don't convince a pig that he will have a much more joy-filled life if he gets out of the mud hole and cleans himself up. You convince a pig that he needs to avoid the butcher who seeks to take his life and turn him into breakfast food and a ham dinner. In the same way... Yeah? Yeah? Understand that? <laughs> In the same way, people don't need to be told they're only happy when they're following God. There are many Christians who are enduring difficult trials right now. 
They fully trust God. They fully count Him as their Lord and Savior. And they're going through very difficult times right now. But they're willing to go through the valleys of this life so they can stand on the mountain of God for all eternity with everlasting joy and everlasting peace. Amen. It is only by us understanding that we have sinned. Every one of us, we all have sinned. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. It's only by understanding that that we receive and appreciate our salvation. It's only by understanding that we are filthy. That we need to be cleansed and healed. Luke 17, verse 17. So Jesus answered and said, Wait a minute, were, were there not ten who were cleansed? Where are the other nine? I'll tell you where they were. They were celebrating a little too early. Any football fans out here? Super Bowl 27, 26 years ago, the Dallas Cowboys went on to defeat the Buffalo Bills. But even though the Cowboys won this one, that Super Bowl was not remembered for that victory. You see, in that victory, there was a big defensive tackle for the Dallas Cowboys. His name was Leon Lett. And he picked up a fumble, and he just rambled down the sideline, this big defensive lineman heading for the end zone. The crowd was cheering. And as he got about the five-yard line, he took that ball, and he reached out from his body and started strutting. Well, Don Beebe, a, a, a trailing defender for the Buffalo Bills, dove out and knocked the ball out of his hands, and the ball rolled out the back of the end zone, resulting in a touchback and giving the ball back to the Buffalo Bills. Anybody remember that? Yeah? You know what happened? He celebrated too early. He would always be remembered for that time. Even though he went on to have a great career, he always was remembered for celebrating too early. The sad but true fact is that many people celebrate too early before securing the victory. Too many people spend this life celebrating without ever having crossed the goal line and securing the victory of eternal life by repenting and trusting in Jesus as their only Savior. And like the other nine lepers, too many people have celebrated too early being satisfied with just being forgiven, but not doing the hard and necessary work of humbling themselves before others and apologizing and admitting that they are wrong and confessing to the people whom they have hurt and making restoration to regain trust and secure the complete healing. We need to make sure that we don't celebrate too early and fail to get our complete healing. Luke 17, verse 18. Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? See, we need to be careful that we don't become too familiar with God that we become content and think we are fine. We must avoid a self-assessment that declares, we know what to do, we know what to say, we know how to pray, but often fall short in giving glory to God through admitting that we are wrong to other people, humbling ourselves and dealing with offense. Without these basic applications of our faith, we fail to give God the glory and see that all He is doing through us when we're satisfied with only a cleansing instead of a complete healing, we are quick to resume our traditions and our rituals, but we fail to see the underlying significances 
What's the significance of the healing of a leper? See, by law, when a leper was declared cleansed, he was obliged to bring his offering with him at the time of his cleansing. This signified by him washing himself. And then the, the priest took a, a, a little bit of blood and, and put it on three parts of his body. And the leper understood the significance of that. You see, when a, a leper would have to stand at the door of the tabernacle, and he'd have to put his head in the door, and the priest would put a, 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 piece, a, a drop of blood on his right ear. Then he'd back out. Then he'd stick his right hand to the door, and the priest would put a drop of blood on the thumb of his right hand. Then he'd back out. Then he'd put his right foot through the door, and the priest would put a drop of blood on the great toe of his right foot. See, the application of blood to these parts showed the leper that now the blood on his ear, now he had the right to hear the Word of God. And the blood on the thumb of his hand said now he had the right to touch anything without defiling it. And the blood on the great toe of his foot said now he could go into any house, into any company where he thought fit, and he was now at full liberty. However, to the leper and to the Christian who seeks a complete healing, there is a greater symbolic meaning of the anointing with blood. Sanctification and cleansing of those parts and of the whole man is done through the wonder-working power of the blood of Jesus Christ. The ear is sanctified to not seek after gossip and to not engage in sinful conversation, but rather to receive the fullness of truth. The thumb of the hand is sanctified to be the instrument of action, to serve without false motivations, and to lift up others' needs before our own. The toe of the foot is sanctified to instruct one to live and walk soberly and righteously and godly. To those who do not settle for a surface cleansing, sanctification is an ongoing process. Right? Being confident of this very thing, that He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. That's part of our sanctification. As we trust God, God continues to complete us because we all mess up. But God continues to sanctify us, to set us apart, to complete us so that He can redeem us and regenerate us and renew us and redirect us for His purposes. Luke 17, verse 19, Jesus said, Arise to this one leper that came back, praising God and thanking Him. Arise, go your, well, go your way. Your faith has made you well. You see, when you repent and come to Him for a complete healing, He says to you, go your way. The way I have designed for you. The path that I have created for you. You are no longer bound by legalism or judgment. You are freed by love that you may pass on His love to others. This is what the Lord speaks to all of us today. When we deal with our sins, when we repent and confess to God and to others. God sends us on our way of healing and calls us to the ministry of reconciliation. God calls all of us to be cleansed and healed. You always have a choice. How will you choose to respond? Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word that penetrates our hearts today. We pray that you would open our hearts to hear your word, 
to believe for healing, to give us the courage to reconcile with others. Speak to us now, even through this song, as we continue to seek You. In Jesus' name.